And if you turn the book of, to the book of Romans, the book of Romans, it's page 937 if you grabbed one of the Bibles on the way in. Otherwise, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And uh, we'll also have the verses up here so you can just follow along, okay? But we're finishing up Romans 1 today. And I know somebody's like, thank you, God, we're finishing up Romans 1. But we're done. We're moving into Romans 2 next time when I get back. It goes a whole new direction, but... God sets it up. He's showing the need for the gospel and how desperately the world needs the gospel. And then he goes into the gospel, starting here from Romans 2, Romans 3. It's going to be awesome. So we're finishing it up. And, and the, the title for today is Our Purpose in These Crazy Times. Our Purpose in These Crazy Times. Romans 1, 28 to 32. And uh, get us started here. Uh, John Adams when they were arguing about what kind of country to make our country, it's going to be a republic, it's going to be a democracy, it's going to be a combination, we all know how it ended up. Uh, but when they, when they were arguing about this, he made this statement that has never been forgotten. He said, there was never, there never was a democracy that did not commit suicide. John Adams said that. There never was a democracy that did not commit suicide. And as we go through Romans 1, I think a lot of us are thinking this may just be happening, right? Cal Thomas uh, recently wrote a book called uh, America's Expiration Date. Will the USA collapse in 2026? This is why he said it. In his new book, um, America's Expiration Date, The Fall of Empires and Superpowers and the Future of the United States, he examines eight empires Eight empires that believed their economic strength and military power were enough to sustain them well into the future, and in the case, uh, and in the case of the Roman Empire, eternally. So these empires all thought they were going to keep on going, and the Roman Empire thought it would always keep on going, right? Uh, he quotes the psalm, If the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And he said his book is inspired by the late British diplomat, Sir John Glubb, who found a pattern to the decline of nations. He said the pattern had not changed in 4,000 years of history. The average age of great nations is 250 years. Rome was an exception, but even Rome followed the same path to self-destruction. The final stage before collapse is what Sir John Glubb calls decadence. Uncontrolled, he says there's other issues, and I'll get back to decadence. Up, there's uncontrolled immigration without assimilation. It's not the problem with immigration, it's without assimilation. All right? It, requiring that they learn the native language and understand the native history, leaving behind the agendas and issues of the countries from which they came while obeying the new laws. That's one issue, immigration without assimilation. In the past, immigrants came to America to become fully American. American. Now it's devolved into tribes. Tribes. Everybody's hyphenated, right? Tribes. Uh, massive national debt is another cause of the decline of superpowers. The U.S. currently is 23 trillion in the red. I think it's even higher since this article came out a few weeks ago, right? Uh, a third contrib contributor to the national decline is military overreach. The U.S. has troops all over the world. And the wars never seem to end. The loss, and here's the last one, the loss of shared morality and its abandoning God are perhaps the greatest contributions to decline. A nation that does not have a transcendent sense of purpose beyond just existing will not exist for long. Sir John Glubb calculated that the average age of empires and superpowers is 250 years, on July 4th, 2026, the United States will be 250 years old. Will we survive or exist beyond mere shells of the, our former self, like the United Kingdom? He, you know, he shows how the United Kingdom just is a shell of itself, existing but still a shell of itself. Or what will happen to the United States? And that is really pretty powerful, right? Will the USA collapse by 2026? Will we even make it that long? Uh, we may not make it that long. Romans 1, we've been looking at the steps to uh, God's wrath. 
And it's, it's, this is what Paul says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. And we've applied it four different ways. We applied it to the world, to our country, to the denominations and churches, and to individuals. And we've been applying, as we've gone through, we've been applying it to all four issues. But our main focus today will be for the United States today. And remember what we talked about as we got through these steps to God's wrath. Step number one was a rejected God. Has the United States done that? Check. Check. We made, that was very, very clear, right? 1962 made an official Supreme Court removing God from the schools. That was the official, but it was long time coming. Step number two, a moral free fall, especially sexual immorality. Check. We made that very clear. We saw the, the sexual revolution of the 60s and the 70s and how it has become embedded in our society in ways unimaginable step number three homosexual sin look what is being celebrated in our very town this week right the pride week is is just an affirmation of this we saw through the 80s and 90s homosexuality taking off we talked about this and now in 2003 it became legal in every state in, in the u.s and uh then 2015 homosexual marriage was established as a right and how this is the third step. And now we come to the final and fourth step in Romans and possibly our own country. Step number four. Is this the final nail in the call thing? Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that no matter what is going on in our country. No matter what is happening in the world, we know that you are on the throne. Holy God, on the throne of the universe, We pray that you would prepare us for where this world is headed. And if anybody here has never put their faith in Jesus, that today would be that day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. final step furthermore just as they don't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do so that they would do what ought not to be done they have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed and depravity they are full of envy murder strife deceit and malice They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they don't only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. What is step number four? A depraved mind. Depravity. Verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. Check. Check. When we reject the knowledge of God, we have spiritual brain damage. Individually, as churches, in the world, but as a country, too. Spiritual brain damage. And this spiritual brain damage leads to shocking behaviors. It's like when you take 
drugs and your brain is fractured from the drugs and, and you start to do things you'd never, you'd see people do things you never thought was possible for them to do or think or act like. And that's what happened is we have had a spiritual brain fracture. And, and the only thing that is more shocking than what is happening is how fast it is happening. How fast. Everybody's like, I knew this was going to happen someday, but I just didn't think it would happen this quickly. George Washington warned this very thing. George Washington said this, Let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. I'm sure you read all that in your history books. We are seeing this, this very thing, verse 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. That... We are seeing this very thing in the United States say, just read the news, just watch the news, just listen to the news, the daily news. We are seeing this, that very thing fulfilled. We are seeing it, first of all, in so many ways. I'm just going to highlight a couple of the mountaintops with abortion. Abortion is in a holocaust, a holocaust that we're involved in. We have gone way past the Nazis and what they did. I watch lots of history and I watch, I'm thinking, we're way past these guys. They used to starve their handicapped, you know, that was their, one of the things, they starved the handicapped, physical, mentally handicapped people, they starved them to death. But I'm thinking, we just kill them right in the womb. We even let them breathe. And Planned Parenthood selling body parts. I mean, this is a horror movie. And, and, and the people who report on this are the ones who are, who are prosecuted for reporting on this happening. It's, it's insane. Our vice president led the charge on this when she was the, the, in California. Uh, it, it, the pedophilia. Pedophilia. I was just reading this article and this is, it's called Into the Abyss. The move to classify, classify pedophilia as simply another sexual orientation. It's here. It is here. I remember, and I remember like yesterday when they, they legalized homosexuality and, and they made that move and years ago. And I remember it was, it was when they were starting to legalize state by state. And I, and I actually said publicly, I said, mark my words, a day will come when they legalize pedophilia. And everybody said, no, no, homosexuality is one thing, but pedophilia is not. You know, the day will come. When they legalize it, and they're trying to do that very thing now. Research, in fact, researchers from several prominent U.S. universities uh, just participated in Baltimore in a conference aiming to normalize pedophilia. Uh, Examine ways the revision of the American Psychiatric Association classification of of pedophilia. They're trying to overturn that classification. It's all in works. It's going to happen. Mark my words. Uh, that's what they did with homosexuality, the American Psychiatric Association. They got them to declassify it as a mental illness. Remember, we talked about that. Uh, this group, Before You Act, Before You Act, classifies pedophilia as simply another sexual orientation. The group says it does not advocate treatment to change the feelings of attraction to children or adolescents. Other conference academics some hired by pornographers, presented scientific papers advocating the legalization of child porn, prostitution, and an end to the age of consent. Uh, similar lobbying then by homosexual act that they showed how similar lobbying by then homosexual activists led to the declassification of homosexuality as a mental disorder in 1973 in the DSM. Uh, this is what is going on in and it, it's just insane, right? Uh, there's two extremes. For years, we have treated someone who struggles with pedophilia as a leper. They were the lepers. They were extra bad and, you know, just hammered, hammered someone who struggled or, or, or crossed the line in that way. And, but now we accept them completely. Now the move is, is totally accepted. Both are wrong. 
Both are wrong. Someone who struggles with this area needs Jesus Christ and freedom in Jesus Christ. And that's what our church does. We've had a ministry for years. Yes, safeguards in place. But we've had a ministry and seen many people from this background find freedom in Jesus Christ. But we always go from one extreme to the other in this country, don't we? It's crazy. It's just crazy. Then... uh, then we have the whole transgender movement going on now. The whole transgender movement, which is just insane. They're, they're mutilating children. What, what, if what if your kid came home from school and said, I don't like my ears anymore. I just want to have my ears cut off. What would parents say? No, you can't do that. I, I, but I don't like the way they look on me. Come, I want my ears taken off immediately. No parent would do that. Any, anyone, right? No, especially not a child. You'd have to be over 18 or 21 to cut your ears off, right? But we're doing it with our sex, let them do it to their sexual organs. It's insane. It's insane. Mutilating children. And remember I've been talking about how we have this parallel with Rome? And remember how we talked about last time how Rome became sexually perverse and then they adopted homosexuality because of the Greek influence, the, 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 the teachers, the tutors that they brought in? What they did then is in Rome, connecting the dots to what's happening in the United States, they also, they, they, the, the men ended up having a, a woman to have children with, sexual relations and children. Then he, they'd have a man to have homosexual relations. It was all of Rome. And, but, but then that wasn't good enough. Then they wanted children. They wanted little girls and little boys to have sex with. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And, and they wanted that. And then that wasn't good enough in Rome. Then the men, the, the men didn't want the little girls, or they didn't even want the little boys. They would take the little boys, because they were slaves, and you could do whatever you wanted to a slave in the Roman Empire, anything. And they would take them, these little boys, and they would castrate them and cut off their sexual organs and actually turn them into little girls sexually. And that's who they wanted to have sex with. That's how perverse. But what are we doing? Our parents are doing it to their own kids. It's a mark of their wokeness, you know, their arrival. You know, that they're doing it to their own children. Chemically and surgically doing it to their own children. It, it's, we're doing it to our own kids. We're beyond Rome. We're beyond Rome. And then we have the rise of transhumanism. I don't know if you've been following this, but it, it's happening. The, uh, this is an article. I don't even know who wrote it, but I'm just going to read some. The, it says here, transhumanism, which they call human enhancement, regenesis, altering human bodies genetically, mechanically, or both to make them better, to have Superman-style abilities both in brains and brawn. This is happening right now. Post-human, they call it. They believe is the next step on the evolutionary process, that you can have a form of eternal life to reach intellectual heights, to be resistant to disease and impervious to aging, to increase capacity for pleasure and love. And the goal is really to blur the distinction between electronics and biological tissue. Researchers at uh, Cambridge University created the first ever animal with artificial information in its genetic code always starts with animals then you know where it's going and where they're trying to make it go the process of a man-made redesign in order to make them super beings or even non-human entities aspiring to do through the use of these new scientists sciences biotechnology nanotechnology neuropharma Anyway, you get the idea. Uh, uh, this is what they're doing with it. It's just, it's just insane what is happening. And not only that, scientists now, another article by Joseph McKinnon, I got his name here, scientists seek to create biocomputers using lab-grown human pseudo-brains. This is happening now. You know, we're way past harvesting babies. This is way past here. This is what's happening. We invent ways of doing evil, right? Inventing ways of doing evil. Here it is. A group of Maryland scientists revealed their intention to to lean into the use of human pseudo-brains instead of silicon chips for sophisticated computing. Noting that the human brain continues to be the best machine in various ways, such as in image processing and in terms of energy efficiency, the paper suggests 
that simplified and miniaturized human pseudo-brains called brain organoids could be used to great effect in biocomputing. The hope for result would be an efficient system that can tackle problems conventional digital computers are are or will soon be unable to solve, particularly in the silicon-based competitors max uh, if the silicon-based competitors max out their processing capacity limits and energy demands. There are already ethical concerns about the use of these so-called organoids, particularly if the system in which they will be used enjoy significant processing upgrades. However, the scientists indicated they will accept ongoing feedback as their monstrosities grow and capabilities and possible cognition. This is, this is not science fiction. The pseudo-brains are generated from, anybody got a guess? Embryonic stem cells. Those are called babies, we call them. Aborted babies, murdered babies, harvested babies. A team of researchers grew a, grew a collection of six, 800,000 human brain cells to generate a pseudo-brain. They've already done it. To get where researchers want to go for organoid intelligence in the way of supporting sophisticated computations, they need to increase the size of the pseudobrains from tens of thousands of cells to tens of millions of cells. Where will they get all those cells? In order to feed these pseudobrains, the scientists endeavored to create artificial blood vessels using microfluidic systems. The glare, here we are, the glaring ethical issues. The researchers recognized that creating a human pseudobrain that can learn, remember, and interact with their environment raises complex ethical questions. Could they d- develop consciousness? Could they experience pain or suffering, like a baby who's being aborted? And what rights would people have with respect to brain organoids made from their cells? This will require deeper analysis and research regarding the moral, salient, neurobiological features. They use big words if they want to confuse you. That contribute to human capacities, including consciousness, and the implications of research and inflammation when some or all these are met. But if there are some... Signs of uh, rudimentary rudimentary consciousness, the researchers intimated that they may ultimately have to appeal to scientific consensus, like we're doing now, on whether the pseudo-brain's newfound capacities warrants concern, like we do with the babies. Having recognized the ethically shaky ground on which their new frontier rests, the researchers proposed using an embedded ethics approach, whereby an ethics team will identify, discuss, and analyze these ethical issues as they arise in the course of the work. Just starting it is is, is gone over the ethical cliff, right? Uh, embedded ethics is a standard approach in the interdisciplinary ethics research, whereby experts Expert ethicists join and collaborate integrally with research and development teams to consider and address ethical issues via via an an continuous process as the research evolves. Boy, now I'm relieved. (laughs) They're going to monitor themselves. Wow. Aren't you? I feel better now. Like they did with like they do with harvesting babies. Like they did with COVID and the vaccine, right? Uh, you know, if you've ever, never read C.S. Lewis, The Space Trilogy, read it. Because this is exactly what he prophe- prophesied back in the 1940s and 50s. C.S. Lewis, The Space Trilogy, that hideous strength is exactly what we are seeing happen now. It, it's just unbelievable. And, and we're just getting started. Legalization of drugs and the damage, that the brutal effect of the legalization of drugs, what it's done. These studies on, on marijuana are coming out and they're damning. They're destroying lives and people. It's unbelievable. The the California doctors are now saying, don't legalize marijuana in any other state. The doctors of California are pleading. 
and forget all the open drugs that have been. There are no drug laws out west now. There's nothing, and 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 the polls are showing the people are sorry they allowed this to happen. Uh, all the polls, the occult is exploding. The occult kids, all the seeds that were sown through Harry Potter and all the other garbage and through Disney and then all through the yoga, it's finally full blown now. People are openly worshiping Satan and 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 the occult. It's unbelievable. Then you have human trafficking and all that's going on with human trafficking. Uh, <laughs> Epstein, the, the villain. Look who he was connected with. You know, we have former presidents. I don't want to name them. President Clinton flew on his jet everywhere with all these little girls. You know, it's sh- unbelievable. And not just not just him. There was a lot of big names out there. They're just getting away with murder right now. But... It's all part of God's judgment. Uh, the, the, the human trafficking, the shooting, these demonized individuals, you read about them and what their, their manifestos and what they're saying. Demonized individuals and the, the shocking youth crimes, these mobs of kids causing these, doing these crazy, out of control crimes. They're like spiritual zombies. Think of wicked, evil, greed and depravity, ruthless, senseless, faithless. You know, it, it, it's unbelievable. The, the riots that were, have broken out across our country. They, the, the media only likes to focus on one riot, which none of us like. But they, they forget about all the riots that led up to that, the most full peaceful burnings that happened and the lawlessness that you've let the genie out of the bottle when they when they allowed this to happen for their political purposes it let the genie out of the bottle you can't put it back in it's it's out there it's brutal and then you have this Durham report listen i don't care what side of the aisle you're on the Durham report should terrify all of us because it's clear from this even jack taper tapper from cnn said the fbi this is what he, this is what he said he says uh jack Jake, I'm sorry, Jack, I can say that ten times fast. Jake Tapper, he said it was devastating, devastating for the FBI. Uh, and, and he said it was unbelievable because the FBI is no longer the FBI. It's now the fake Bureau of Investigation. And it's clear from this report that the Department of Justice is now the DOI, the Department of Injustice. It's crazy. And the media just let it go, just spun it. They spin it so most of the country doesn't even know what it found. It's crazy. It should be scary for all of us, because this is what is going to be used against Christians. That's why it's scary. That's why it's scary. And then in verse 32, we come to the nail in the coffin. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Read that again. Not just doing it, but approving it. That is the nail in the coffin, and that's what our country has become. We approve of everything. We're pro-choice, not just with abortion, but everything. But in God's sight, approval of sin and depravity is just as bad as doing it. I hear people claim they're Christians all the time. Well, I don't personally think it's Right, but people should be free to, you know, you know, harvest babies. People should be free to, you know, you know, do these things. And I'm like, do you understand what you're saying? Pro, the pro-choice, if you're pro-choice, you are held accountable for the aborted baby. You are held accountable for that aborted baby. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12 says this. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward slaughter. But if you say, we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what they have done or not done? Right? What they've done or not done. The churches, the Christians, the so-called Christians and so-called churches and so-called denominations that affirm sin are under God's judgment. That's why they're disintegrating. These, 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 these denominations that have taken these roads, this pro-choice road, they're disintegrating. They're disappearing. They're under judgment. And the same is true of churches that avoid the topic. That avoid the topic of depravity, that avoid the topic of sin, that let their, their, the young people in their churches just be brainwashed and become zombies to the world. The same is true of those who do nothing. God will hold these churches accountable for doing nothing. 
I'll never forget, I pulled out the article because I saved it and I never forgot it. There was a, a man from Germany, and he was, he, he, uh, this is what he said. A man from Germany, this was years ago, I'm sure he's, he's gone now, but this is what this man said, I'll never forget it. He said, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. I attended church since I was a small boy. We had heard the stories of what was happening to the Jews, but like most people today in this country, we tried to distance ourselves from the reality of what was really taking place. What could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we would hear the whistle from a distance and then the clacking of the wheels moving over the track. We became disturbed when someone... We, when one Sunday we noticed cries coming from the train as it passed by, we grimly realized that the train was carrying Jews. They were like cattle in those cars. They were on their way to the death camps. Week after week, that train whistle would blow. We would dread to hear the sound of those old wheels because we knew that the Jews would begin to cry out to us as they passed our church. It was so terribly disturbing. We could do nothing to help those poor, miserable people. Yet their screams tormented us. We knew exactly at what time that whistle would blow. And we decided the only way to keep from being disturbed by the cries was to start singing our hymns. By that time, the train, by the time the train came rumbling past the churchyard, we were singing at the top of our lungs, our voices. If some of the screams reached our ears, we just sang a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years have passed. And no one talks about it much anymore. But I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God forgive me. God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians yet did nothing to intervene. Now, so many years later, I see it happening all over again in America. God forgive you. As Americans, for you have blocked out the screams of millions of your own children. The Holocaust is here. And the response is the same it was in my country. Silence. Silence. Revelation three fifteen to 16 says this. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Room temperature. Room temperature has infected the church. Lukewarmness. We are room temperature. We're like the world. It's affected the church. It's affected the Christian colleges that are just like the world now. You talk to these students in all these different Christian colleges that once were true Christian colleges and the, the kids are all pro-choice. And I'm not talking about just abortion, but everything. They're just pro-choice on everything. It's unbelievable. It reminds me of what happened with the frog in the kettle. Most of you know this story. I haven't told it in a while. But you take a frog and you, you put it into hot, you know, you, bo- you make some, boil some hot, you make water hot. You drop the frog into that hot water and what does it do? Frantically jumps out. But if you take that same frog in room temperature water and you slowly turn up the heat, slowly turn up the heat, slowly turn up the heat, guess what it does? It cooks. It never jumps out. And that is exactly what has happened. The, the world is hurtling towards God's wrath. We don't need anybody to tell us that, right? We can see it happening. You read the book of Revelation. Uh, you know, it, 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 we are close to that time, Daniel Revelation. You, you can't miss it. Uh, the USA and the apostate church is on the edge of a cliff. 
in the apostate church in the USA is probably going to jump off that cliff. How do we know that? Because we're not in the book of Revelation. The USA is not there anywhere. You can find lots of countries. You can find Russia. You can find you know Israel. You can find all kinds of countries. You, you can find the European Union, the revived Roman Empire. You can find it all, but you can't find the superpower, the United States. Can't find it. This doesn't look good for us, but it doesn't mean we stick our head in the sand. It, we still have a job to do, a very important job to do. Matthew 5.13 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives the light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be salt and light. Salt slows the rot. If you want to, you got meat and you want to slow the rot, you put salt in it. It slows the rot. It doesn't keep it forever, but it slows it. And it also flavors the meat. It flavors the food. That is our job as Christians in this rotting country. We got to slow it down the, the, as much as we can. That's our job. We are the flavor. That's what we're supposed to be. And we're also supposed to be the light. The light should shine brighter. The darker it gets, the more people should be able to see our light, right? They should be able to see Jesus and us more clearly. The darker it gets, the, the more a light, even a little match, a little candle shows up from far away. We, they should be able to see that. See that. We should be speaking the truth in love we keep talking about that ephesians 3 speak the truth in love we change one person at a time we witness to one person at a time whoever god brings into our life we fight the, the battles that we can fight we talk you know we the, the, the pro-life battles you know we we're collecting the money for the choice one and trying to save babies lives every week you see some baby get a story of somebody being saved at choice one volunteer go over and volunteer but give and and the same with the pro-choice we have a a prayer for life coming up the first Friday of June coming up not too long from now. You'll be, be, be praying. The, the whole school boards and the battle for the schools and the lies that they're telling these poor kids. You know, fighting the Hope for PA. I've sent out that website, that Hope for PA. And one of these times I'll have to have Ken come here and, and share. But they're, they're fighting on the school boards trying to battle and, and hold off the lies in the schools. Uh, Chuck, come on, come on up, Chuck. Chuck has been talking to me about finding your purpose and you know he does the, the witnessing and all but he's been in, trying to encourage us to find purpose i said he was talking to me on the phone the other day i said chuck you're gonna i'm not you to say what you just said to me so i'll go i'll turn it over to you for a few minutes thanks chuck <clears throat> uh <clears throat> i think most of you are, are like me we've been digesting this frightening news for the last month now uh, in romans one and um we see the destruction of the, the world our great nation and uh we have to find some positive purposes for our lives to keep from dwelling on, on defeat and negativism. It'd be so easy just to go down to a black hole, you know, the vortex. And um, I, I kind of experienced this uh, five years ago when I lost the love of my, my life uh, for 50 years, Joni. And uh, the <clears throat> only way I could deal with that devastating grief was basically to find a purpose to keep, keep on living through the pain and the sorrow. For me, I started going out in the streets. I go out by myself, New Hope, Princeton, wherever. I would just share the gospel, the gospel, which is, is, is it's the good news. It's the dynamite good news that we can all share. Um, <clears throat> recently, 1 Peter 3.15 popped into my mind. It says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have hope in Christ, right? And there are two parts in the scripture. The first part said Christ is Lord. And that's in our hearts. It reminds me of Mary. Um, Mary was sitting at Christ's feet, intentionally taking in everything he had to say. Um, are we having our daily quiet times? Are we reading scripture? Are we memorizing scripture? Are we spending time with the Lord? Uh, is that, that's kind of number one. Is, is, is Christ the Lord of our lives? Is he the boss? Or do we just kind of come and, you know, and do our thing and, and, and not allow him to speak into every, every um, area of our lives? Um, and, uh, and then right after that, you have, um, uh, right after that command is sharing our testimonies. 
And in the eternal gospel message, and I keep, that has power. The, the word is dunamis, dynamite power, when we share the gospel message to other people. And when you look around this, 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 this world, that's really our only hope. And I, I keep thinking of uh, Chuck's 1 Corinthians uh, 6, uh, 6, 9. It, it, it lists a whole litany of all the horrible things that, that we human beings do. And then it says, but that is what some of you were, past tense. You were into pedophilia. You were an adulterer. You were this. You were, a, uh, you know, you, you had abortions. What I mean, list it all. You, you know, and, but some of you were past tense through the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and so to do that, each one of us needs to be able to present a clear testimony of how we were saved. We were all in darkness. We were all dead in our sins, right? But somewhere along the line, we, we, we heard a scripture. Somebody shared uh, Jesus with us. They invited us to church, whatever it was. And so we need to be able to share our testimony anywhere and everywhere. And beyond that, we need to be able to share the clear gospel message. It's simple. It's not like you can do it about about a minute, you can do it in half an hour, whatever, but it's very, very simple. As we go out prepared to you know, give the reason for the hope, we have hope that we have. Most of the world out there doesn't have hope. I've, been, I've spent 23 years on college campuses. They're being raised, college kids are being raised in a dystopian society where nothing works. Half of their parents have been divorced or they're fighting with lawyers or this or that. They don't even know what gender they are. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's crazy. But we have hope when we speak the truth courageously to them. Um, so I think what, I'm just, what we have to do is move out of the Christian bubble. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's safe in here. We have to move out of the, the, the Christian bubble and be proactive uh, and take on a missional life to this lost world. It's our only hope. Um, and as we do that, we're going to see uh, the power of God in our lives and in other people's lives. And it, it will just absolutely excite us. Here's a bunch of uh, things I just came up with, a bunch of bullets. Probably if you want, I could give you a list later on if you want to see. Start sharing our testimonies and the gospel as Christ's ambassadors. We are called to be Jesus Christ's ambassadors straight from his throne room. That's us, guys, every one of us that knows Christ. And we're to be sharing him boldly with our families. I know it's tough, but my, I can show you all the letters that my wife wrote to great aunts in their 90s, my parents, other people in our family, you know. And then I would sit down with them and verbally, I was not a writer, I'd verbally explain the gospel to them, make sure each and every one of them heard the gospel before they died. We can do that with our families, friends. Um, I happen to go on streets and college campuses. It, it's a blast. It's scary. It's kind of, but it's wonderful. At work. BMS, uh, at one point, they had three Bible studies in three major uh, buildings over on Route 1 uh, at lunch. I was invited once to, to teach them how to share the gospel. We can um, join in with Terry Noble. She's always asking for people to go over to the Planned Parenthood, you know, murder facility over there. We can, and lives will be saved. And as we get involved in these things, it's going to change our lives as well. Uh, call and write and sign petitions to your local uh, officials. Talk to local schools. Review the curricula. New Jersey has just put in this hideous sex education thing. I know it's just terrible. Uh, go to school board meetings. Stand up and, and ask questions. Express our Christian beliefs. Uh, write letters to the editor. You'll be surprised. Almost every letter my wife and I wrote, they were, they were published, sometimes two and three newspapers at a time. Um, Disciple others, especially young people. Our older people are just babies in the, in, the, you know, in the Lord. This is where we can teach them how to be strong and to share their testimony, to share the gospel, and to grow in, in following Christ. Um, we can, there's uh, Sunday and Wednesday uh, prayer calls. I think we had maybe four people on our, our Zoom prayer call this morning. Every Sunday morning at 8.30, every Wednesday at 7, we have Zoom calls. Join in with, with the prayer. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And uh, God's waiting. I think he's waiting to see us, you know, get out of our Christian bubbles and, and join him in, in the world to, uh, to counteract this, this, this rotten decay we're seeing. Home fellowships. There's a new listing uh, that was just put out. Once again, participate in home fellowships. And encourage your home fellowships to, to, to get missional. You know, maybe the whole home fellowship should go down to Kensington some, some, some weekend and feed the poor or do something, right? There's ways we can be salt and light out into the world. And, um, 
and tithes and offerings. My goodness, you know, uh, I hope everybody's tithing. That's just sort of like a beginning point to offerings. And, and, and what we want to do is send our, our money ahead to heaven, right? Because everything we have here is it's, it's going to rot, you know, rust, decay. But as I think Randy Alcorn says, send your, send your, send your money and, and offerings ahead of time to heaven where it's eternal. It will never, you'll never, never be lost there. Um, so we have uh, I'm, some of my favorites are um, uh, these uh, legal firms. I've placed three lawsuits. One was a federal. Won all three of them. Second Amendment rights didn't cost me a penny. So there are people, but they need they need money to be able to to do this to protect the country to be uh, keep us from sliding down to give us that the Second Amendment rights. Harvest, wonderful organization. Um, Choice One. Save lives. There's just so many amazing ministries out there. Peru, send Bibles down there to see people saved from there. So the, the whole bottom line is that when we're in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. No matter what we've done, where we've been from, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, the uh, past tense were, right? So bottom light, salt preserves. It purifies, even if it burns a little bit. This is where we got to be strong and courageous, because you know we'll get some we'll get some pushback. And light brings this, uh, the deceptions that, and lies to light, so they can be replaced by the truth, and consequently life and joy uh, now and for all eternity. So just remember, God saved Nineveh, which is a wicked, wicked, horrible city. One dude, one guy that was running away from him, Jonah, right? Finally, with a lousy attitude, he goes to Nineveh and the whole city is saved, right? Out of his obedience. Lousy attitude, his heart wasn't there, but his feet were and his obedience was. And so that, that whole um, city, starting with the, with the king, repented. And um, one last line from football. They say the best defense is a good offense. Thank you. Yeah, Chuck is one of our elders, Chuck Harrison. So thank you, Chuck, so much for that. Always encouraging. Um, yeah, hey, listen, we're, pro- we're probably under judgment, but there could be windows of grace. Think of Josiah and the Old Testament. Windows of grace. And it, it's, but it's vital, what Chuck was saying, it's vital to know who our, our purpose who we are in Jesus Christ, who who Jesus Christ is. It's vital to know, that it's, it's, it's essential to know that George Barna, uh, shocking poll, uh, more than half of Christians, uh, well, I'll just read some of this stuff. Uh, since COVID, just since COVID, more than half of born-again Christians, born-again Christians, don't believe that Jesus lived a sinful life, sinless life. Over half don't believe Jesus lived the sinless life, which is the whole foundation to our faith. So obviously you're not born again Christian. It's impossible to be, right? Uh, that these are people. That means that over half the born again Christians aren't born again. There's a starter. Uh, there's a downward trend of, among uh, those who say the Bible. Um, talking about abortion, saying the abortion is wrong from the Bible. Over COVID, fell from 58 to 44 percent of born again Christians. Uh, those who say human life is sacred fell from 60% to 48%. The number of uh, born-again Christians who say God is the basis of all truth fell from 69 to 63%. The share of born-again believers who say they are deeply committed to practicing their religious faith fell from 85% to 50%. These are the born-again Christians, all right? Uh, this, the share who said they read the Bible or study the Bible at least once a week fell from 60 to 55%. Uh, when the general population of U.S. adults, the share of the population that claims to hold to a biblical worldview fell from 6% to 4% in the last three years. <laughs> it was already bad. It's a lot worse. The, the 4%. Um, uh, he says, most religious beliefs change over the course of generations, not a few years. However, we know that major life crises, crises have the capacity to introduce substantial change quickly. In the foundations of people's faith, either for good or for bad, as what we we already know that. And and then, then he takes it back to this is what was really important about the purpose. He said he found Barna found that fewer than ha- fewer than half of born again Christians now believe they have a unique God given calling or purpose. The share of those who believe that who held that belief fell from 88% before the pandemic to 46% in 
after the pandemic. In three years. Remember God sifting, separating the wheat from the weeds? But the pur- that's the whole point, is our purpose. Who, what is God's purpose for our life? That is, that is what, the, the purpose is the whole key, and that's what Chuck was just talking about, that very thing. Our purpose is the whole key. Yes, we're in dark times. It's discouraging. Sometimes it seems hopeless. Sometimes we want to give up, right? But we each have a job to do as salt and light to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. God's purpose for our lives. What is God's purpose for your life? Do you know what that is? How is the Holy Spirit leading you? Are you praying for it? Are you looking to fulfill that purpose? Are you taking those steps to do that? And and, and, and the silver lining with all of this is as God's wrath approaches, that means Jesus Christ is coming back again. Soon. With the wrath comes Jesus. And one way or another, we're going to miss God's wrath if you're a true Christian. Not if you're born again, but if you're a true Christian. Yes, we're going to face God's wrath. The Bible makes that clear. Persecution, martyrdom, all right? But not God's wrath. Whether it's because there's an early rapture, which we all vote for, uh, or uh, pre-tribulation rapture, or at least pre-wrath position. We vote for that too, pre-wrath, mid-trib. We vote for that too, before the wrath hits. Or whether it's protection in God's wrath. We could still be protected, uh, even if it's a, a later rapture, post-tribulation rapture, which is just possible biblically. Uh, don't forget what happened with the Exodus. God sent ten plagues on Egypt, and the Hebrews were not touched. How could that happen? It was a miracle. God can even keep us through tribulation. By his protection. And remember what ultimately protected them? The blood on the door. The blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. Just as there will be a 666, there's going to be a mark of Jesus Christ on, on Christians. We see that in the book of Revelation. And, and that we, we don't have to dread God's wrath. Our focus should instead be what is our purpose? How is God using us? And looking forward to. Now look at it. First, Second Peter, second Peter three, verse 10 says this. This is our focus. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward. As you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. Speed, it's coming. That we actually can speed the coming by living holy, godly lives, by sharing our faith. We can, I don't know how it works. Only God knows the date, but he knows. But, but we're, we're to look forward to that day. That's our focus. Not dreading what's going to happen to the United States, but looking forward to Jesus coming. And will you miss God's wrath? Will you miss God's wrath? Those who are here, those who are watching, those who are listening, will you miss God's wrath? John 3.36 says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. There's only one way to avoid God's wrath. And that is believing in the Son. John 3.16, just before this, says this very thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. By putting our faith in Jesus Christ, giving our life to Jesus Christ, putting our trust in his death on the cross for our sin, trusting his blood to wash us clean, Receiving his Holy Spirit and becoming a new creation in Christ, we avoid God's wrath and we are with God forever in heaven. And it's never too late. I want to say this. It's never too late. No matter what you have done, and we've done a lot, haven't we? No matter what we've done, it's never too late. Chuck... Harrison referred to this very verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor, adult, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor 
male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. It's what we all were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's never too late until we breathe our last breath in this life. It's not too late. The thief on the cross, his last words, remember me, Jesus, remember me. And you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It's never too late. But don't wait. We don't have what the thief on the cross had. He had a ticking clock there. We don't have that. It's it's never too late, but don't wait. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says this. It says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now. And I want to end with this by saying this to some of you are prodigals out there. Come home. Stop torturing your parents. Your grandparents. Your friends, your loved ones. Stop torturing them. Come home. Six years ago, next week, we lost our prodigal, Ryan. Most of you know the story, fentanyl. We have some hope, a thread of hope. He, his last song was about coming back to the cross. And, and I hope he prayed with his last breath. We know that he knew he was in trouble. His roommate and him were taking the drugs, and his roommate said he, he was said, I, I can't feel anything in my legs. I'm in trouble. And his roommate stumbled out to look for water to bring it back to help him. By the time he got back, he was gone. But we, we know he was in pain. We know he was worried. We, we know he knew the truth. How many times I said to him, What will it take? He was hit by a car and almost died. I said, Ryan, what will it take? He said, a lot, because I'm pretty stubborn. I said, God's more stubborn than you, buddy. What will it take? And I hope with his last breath, he said, Jesus. That's what we cling to. We hope and pray. I'd give anything to know. Anything. People have tried to comfort me and I appreciate it. But listen, only God and Ryan know. But I give anything to know. But you can know. You can know right now. First John 5.12 says this. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Do you know? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, do you know you have eternal life? If you don't know for sure, I want to encourage you to make sure because you may not have another heartbeat. You may not have another breath. You can know right now, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
you can have that life this second, all, and it goes throughout all of eternity by believing, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, giving your life to Jesus Christ, saying, God, I don't want the sin. Pray it now. I don't want the sin anymore. I don't want the garbage. I don't want the shame. I don't want the lies. I don't want the drugs. I don't want any of the garbage. I repent. I'm turning to you for forgiveness. I come to the cross to be forgiven, to be washed. I give my life to Jesus Christ. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just crossed the line from wrath, from God's wrath to God's life. From now to all of eternity. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've taken that step of faith. Go in the back and tell the prayer team. Tell me on the way out. Text me, call me, email me. NHCC at Comcast.net. Let let your parents know. Let your friends know. Let somebody know you've taken this step of faith. So that we can encourage you and be excited for you. Do you know you have eternal life? And if you do know that, do you know God's purpose for your life? How is God calling you to be salt, calling us to be salt and light? What specific ways? We'll wrestle with this in our, maybe in the prayer group once again. At, at the end, go back and pray and discuss. And Chuck's back there and other guys, other people. Talk, wrestle with this. Maybe your home fellowship or Bible study or, or prayer group. Father, I pray that every person, every one of us would know our purpose, would live out our purpose. And if anybody here has never put their faith in Jesus, I pray that that would happen today, now. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.